Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test, the nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture?
Welcome to this segment of Real Life Stories. It's under our spiritual category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. That is jaef.foundation. This is a story about a man called Noel who has beaten all the odds of generational curses that were stacked against him before he was born. This story is something we can all learn from that our actions, which become our habits, can be passed down to our children. You don't have to give birth to the next Noel. You can learn from his past. You see, Noel didn't have a choice in what kind of hand he would play with after he was born. He was born into a drug-dealing family. His grandfather was a kingpin, dealing in marijuana and cocaine from Jamaica to Florida. Before Noel was born, and unbeknownst to his mother, the spirituality she explored before Noel's birth invoked demonic spirits. She ignorantly opened herself up to the demonic realm and to witchcraft. The odds were stacked against him even before he had started. From his childhood to his late 20s, Noel had to deal with living in unstable homes as a child, several stepfathers, nightmares, demonic attacks, and so much paranormal activity. And this was just the beginning. His childhood trauma cascaded into teenage addictions from sex, pornography, alcohol, marijuana, cocaine, ecstasy, and anything else he could land his hands on, not to mention a couple of out-of-body experiences. In moments of despair, he would always cry out to the God of the Bible, whom he had never really known about. He was only tagging on the memory of the Lord's Prayer that his grandmother had taught him as a child and his few attendances to Catholic Church as a child. Fast forward, Noel shares a unique memory after he had started reading the Bible, specifically the Gospels of Jesus Christ. He couldn't stop reading the Gospels in fact, in one incident, Noel was out on a boat, snorting as much cocaine as he could with a friend, but all he did was talk about this guy called Jesus that he had been reading about in the Bible. Eventually, and inevitably, these truths of Jesus Christ took root in Noel's heart, and he was delivered from all his addictions, his cursed inception, and his haunted past. Noel now lives his life as a living testimony. While he is up wiring complex buildings around town, he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who feel lost. Coming up on our next episode. My grandfather he started making money in Jamaica by selling and growing, growing and selling marijuana in large amounts. Hmm. And um, he became quite wealthy there. And they lived like a kingpin, drug lord lifestyle. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandfather was quite the salesman. He was quite the entrepreneur in the drug world. He, he would buy fields, grow fields, and distribute. He would fly planes over to Miami, drop 
large amounts of marijuana off the coast and you'd have people pick them up and um he uh, yeah he he they were quite into cocaine um there were parties going on in the house from what i hear that would like that looked like drug lord parties um, in jamaica you have houses that are a plantation style house big front yard big backyard big side yards house right in the middle that's why they call it a plantation style house so their their parties were massive and i just i heard stories of you know my mom being a teenager and and just like you know just iniquity and sin going on all over the house and they just wanted like a normal life they just wanted normal parents but they were just so um in my grandparents were so infused with the, dr- the drug dealing lifestyle and, and living in riches and wealth and it got violent it eventually started getting violent there was a time where gunmen came into the house and put guns to my to my mother's head when she was a teenager my aunts my grandparents and in that moment they could have had their brains blown out and you know things were kind of going south for my grandfather in a way Thank you, Calvin. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited uh, about uh, what we have to talk about today. I mean, anytime that I'm talking to someone to share their life story and their journey, it's it's amazing when I meet people like you who have, you know, hard, you know, people who have had a, a very interesting past to use, you know, so to say, and you've come full circle, you know, you've, you've been lost and, and now you are found. Praise uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <definitely. laughs> so we, we're just going to talk about that. Amen. And, yeah. and I, I think you have a very interesting story that, you know, will touch a lot of people's lives who are probably dealing with some of the things you've dealt with in the past. And, um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, everything that I've been through, how it all led to Jesus Christ, it, it all makes sense um, when I look in hindsight. Um, from my family background to childhood to teens, 20s, coming to Christ, salvation. And it all just comes together when I look back, everything that I went through. Um, people, when I hear people like you, when I, when I hear your story with, just all the things that have happened 
it's always fascinating for me because uh, I, I can't help but think that the reason as to why you are still living, you are still on this planet, I mean, it's got to be because there was a bigger purpose that, let's say, even before saying that, okay, God had a plan, that, that maybe someone out there had, there was a reason, there must have been a reason as to why you went through all these experiences, but somehow you didn't perish. Yeah, I think about that. Um, I would sometimes think about how I didn't become, well, I was a drug addict, but I, how I didn't stay that way. Um, it baffles me. I, I had family members on my uh, grandma's side, my grandmother's sister's sons. You know, I remember one of them saying this, that he was surprised that I was, uh, I wasn't far worse than I, than I turned out to be. And this is when I was a drug addict. He was quite shocked at how I turned out from what I've been through. And when I heard that from, from him down the grapevine, I, I, I felt bad about myself. It, it made me feel a bit insecure at the time, but now I feel quite, quite confident in myself through Christ. So when when you when you had your sisters, you said it was, it was my grandmother's sister's son. Okay, your who grandmother's I, who sister's I heard son. heard this from down the grapevine, and essentially it he was said he was surprised that I turned out as well as I had. Wow! Due to um, what he, I went through, and he didn't even know the half of it. So. Today we're gonna hear, <laughs> we're gonna hear the half of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go down memory lane. Yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll start with my family background. It's quite colorful. My mom comes from Jamaica. She was born in Jamaica in the Caribbean. My um, so my grandfather and my grandmother on my mom's side were were born there. My my dad's side um, was also born there. Um, and my grandfather, he started making money in Jamaica by selling and growing, growing and selling marijuana in large amounts. Hmm. And, um, he became quite wealthy there and they lived like a kingpin drug lord lifestyle. Hmm. Uh, my grandfather was quite the salesman. He was quite the entrepreneur in the drug world, he, he would buy fields, grow fields, and distribute. He would fly planes over to Miami, drop large amounts of marijuana off the coast, and you'd have people pick them up. And um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he, he, they were quite into cocaine. Um, there were parties going on in the house from what I hear that would like, that looked like drug Lord parties. Um, in Jamaica, you have houses that are a plantation style house, big front yard, big backyard, big side yards, house right in the middle. That's why they call it a plantation style house. So their, their parties were massive. And I just, I heard stories of, you know, my mom being a teenager and, and just like, you know, just iniquity and sin going on all over the house. And they just wanted like a normal life. They just wanted normal parents, but they were just so, um, in my grandparents were so infused with 
the, dr- the drug dealing lifestyle and, and living in riches and wealth. And it got violent. It eventually started getting violent. There was a time where gunmen came into the house and put guns to my, to my mother's head when she was a teenager, my aunts, my grandparents. And in that moment, they could have had their brains blown out. And, you know, things were kind of going south for my grandfather in a way. Um, but the Lord spared them. And uh, eventually, my mother and her family, my grandparents, ended up coming to Vancouver and living in the British properties. Grandpa brought a lot of money with him. He had about $6 million, U.S. dollars in 1989. Um, Back then, that would have been a lot of money. Wow. And uh, yeah, he had his own helicopter in in the backyard with a helicopter pad in the British properties in West Vancouver. Like, and I've seen pictures of these helicopters and he used to fly my grandmother all around and joy riding. And so he, he was quite, quite an interesting man. Um, this was before I was born. Um, but yeah, so my mother had a lot of trauma from these experiences growing up these, you know, these parties that my grandparents would have these drug dealing escapades. Um, there was a lack of love in her household. It was, it was all image and money and, and it kind of destroyed her. And she was kind of the black sheep of the family as well. Mm. Um, the two, my, my two other aunts, they, they were treated as, as far as I can see, they were treated differently than my mother was. My mother was definitely the black sheep out of the, out of the three. And, um, yeah. And so it's interesting because my, my mom and my dad were actually neighbors in Jamaica. They, they would, they met each other through the fence in Kingston, Jamaica. And my grandparents on both sides actually knew each other quite well. And, uh, so my mom and dad grew up together as sweethearts. And, um, when my mom moved here, my dad came to visit my mom, uh, as a young man in his early twenties. My mom was 18 and then my dad went back to Jamaica and then I, I was born nine months later when my mom was 19. So basically your parents at the time, they weren't married. No, I'm a, I'm a bastard. Yeah. I'm an illegitimate child. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so basically that happened, you know, when your dad came over to visit your mom. Yeah. And um, did did your parents ever get married? No. No? No. My dad wouldn't have left the country. My my dad, his his heart is tied to, to Jamaica. He would never leave the country. Nothing could take him away, not even a child. He loves Jamaica. He's a, he's a man of that country. Okay. Yeah. So your mother comes with 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 your grandfather yeah her, her, yeah exactly yeah and so here you are you, you, yeah you, so you. i'm born 1989 my mother's uh, 19 years old yeah and at this point you know my my grandfather he had to leave jamaica essentially because things were getting heady um and things are getting heady also with you in the united states um i guess customs you know, they were on the United States were on to him, like his illegal drug dealing and what he was doing in Miami and Jamaica was kind of getting on to him. So he had to he had to 
go somewhere else. Yeah. And he came to Vancouver. Um, so he 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 was kind of out of that that marijuana um, lifestyle, but he was into um, bigger like deals, like big cocaine deals. So he was he was kind of setting himself up to be a middleman in in a very large cocaine deal. Um, and this was happening when I was about five years old. Yeah. And I lived in a house in North Vancouver, um, on the river, very, very beautiful home. I grew up into kind of like a, a really dysfunctional kind of like weird drug Lord kind of vibe. And like my whole family lived under one roof, like my grandma, my mom, my grandfather, my, my, <laughs> my two aunts, we all lived in this big house. And I had a lot of great memories there. Um, but I didn't understand what was going on in my grandfather's life. And my mother was always quite distant. She was young. She was, you know, 24 when I, at that time. And I, I barely saw her. And um, I just remember being in that house and having wonderful memories in that house. But I also remember having some horrible memories too. And a, a lot of it was tied to nightmares and, and reoccurring dreams. Um, I had three reoccurring dreams that I remembered. very. I can remember them very vividly. And the first one I, st I started to have was I would be downstairs in the house all alone. Nobody else would be in the house. Yeah. And I could just sense spirits. Um, I was five years old and I could sense evil demonic spirits coming out of the vents and I, I i every time i would look at a vent in the house i would just know that there's a spirit coming out to get me and nobody would be in the house to protect me and i never saw physically anything in these in these dreams i just felt it i felt the spirits and i felt the energy and and it was very off-putting and uncomfortable and um i didn't like the fact that nobody was in the house to protect me and the other reoccurring dream I would have was I was out in the front of the house and there was a, a long, steep driveway. And at the bottom of the driveway, it leveled out to flat ground. And there was a manhole that led to the sewer and I would fall through the manhole. And it was a deep fall. like the, it, it was abnormally long and I would stop maybe like 15 feet down. Um, I would brace myself before I hit the water and there was alligators at the bottom. And I would always stop myself before, uh, right before the, like out of reach of the alligators. Yeah. And I would look up and I would see my mother, like the silhouette of her head and a bit of her body, like peer over into the manhole looking down at me. And I would remember crying out to her um, for help. And she would never help me. She would always just stay there staring at me and then move away. And then I wouldn't see her anymore and I'd wake up and, um, you know, it's interesting because I felt my whole life that my mother kind of like was just kind of abandoned me. Like she, her, her role as a mother was always um, unfulfilled. Mm. And it started as a youth. And I remember my mom never really being home to tuck me in at night. It was always my grandmother tucking me in. And the other reoccurring dream I had, it was in the backyard of that same house. So all three of these dreams were, were um, had to we're all in the house that I was yeah. growing up in. And then I, we lived on a river and there, it was a beautiful river and there was uh, like a steep hill that led from the backyard down to the river. And I would always fall down this hill and I would tumble down and land face first into the river. 
about two inches of water would cover my nose and my mouth just enough to cover my nose and my mouth and I would drown and I would wake up every single time right before I would die. And this happened a lot. Like this, this was probably the most reoccur frequent reoccurring dream was the, the drowning. Um, but the water, you say the water, it, the water was like, I, I would land face first into the river, but yeah. the water was just enough to cover my nose and mouth, like oh, two inches, yeah. like just enough. Um, and I had never had the, the strength to get up. Hmm. just lift my head up just a little bit to get air and I never could uh, it was strange how old were you? five you were five? yeah in, you kin in kindergarten five years old and you were having these kind of dreams I was having these kinds of dreams um, and uh, so yeah it was interesting because my grandmother at that time like they were Catholic and they were probably the worst Catholics that you could ever imagine um, but my grandmother would tuck me in at night and and I remember her reading the Bible to me. And I remember feeling comfort and peace when she would. And she taught me the Lord's Prayer at, at five years old. And I, so I had the Lord's Prayer burned into my mind. Um, never really like connected the Lord's Prayer with Jesus. But I knew the Lord's Prayer. And I knew it meant something then. It was special to me. And I remember... Mm. Yeah, so that was that was what was happening in that house, and my grandfather ended up getting caught um, for this middleman cocaine deal. Uh, he got sold out, and he ended up going to jail. And he gave up um, his six million dollars that he had um, to get us to essentially um, buy his way out of a serious sentence. Yeah. Um, so essentially, he got a slap on the wrist. Mm -hmm. He got about a year, maybe a year and a half uh, in in a cushy jail. I remember visiting him in that jail and not understanding why he was there. It seemed like a country club for, for men, for distinguished men. That's how it felt. All right. And how old were you at this point? Like six. You were six? Yeah. And where was where was the where was the jail? What the jail country? they they wanted so it was the it was actually the U.S. that that um, caught him like it was because of a lot of the crime and a lot of his charges were based in the U.S. because of what he was doing in Miami. They wanted him as close to the U.S. border as possible. So this this jail was right on the Canadian U.S. border in southern B.C. Again, I can't remember exactly where it was. It was maybe like an hour drive from North End. Or hour and a half drive from North End, but it was right on the U.S. border, on the Canadian side. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. So they wanted him close to the U.S. They just wanted him close. Yeah. 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 So at this point, like you know, those those dreams I was having, uh, I was quite young, and when I, you know, as I got older, I learned that my mom was fooling around with Ouija boards um, before I was born. So she had been opening up spiritual doors. Um, before I was even born and my whole family, they, they experienced, um, paranormal activity, um, uh, when they moved here from, uh, from Jamaica, when they first moved into the British properties, they started experiencing paranormal activity and my mom did a Ouija board in the house, um, that they moved into because of the things that they were experiencing. What's, uh. For someone who doesn't know what this is, what is a Ouija board? A Ouija board essentially is it's like um, it's like a way to tap into 
um, the spiritual realm. It's like it's 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 a board that has a bunch of letters on it, and kind of like some a cursor that uh, can go navigate over each individual letter. Yeah. Um. So it can spell something out. Yeah. So you're it's like a medium. Mm-hmm. It, it, it connects you. Uh, it's like a medium between you and the spiritual world. Um, and you essentially you, you do like a seance, um, kind of like a, a spiritual ritual where you invite uh, or you kind of like invoke uh, whatever spirit you think is, is occupying that residence or that area. Oh. And you, you invite it to communicate with you. And a lot of people think it's harmless, but it's not. It's very, you're, you're tapping into the demonic realm and it's very deceptive. But so they were experiencing, so this is before I was born, but they were, they were experiencing weird things in this house and like to door slamming to like, they heard footsteps running in the hallway at night, (laughs) toilets flushing in the middle of the night. They had, there was a pool in the backyard and, and my two aunts also testified to this and even my grandparents that when they moved into this house, they swam in the pool once and they all got out of the pool and said, we're never swimming in this pool again. <laughs> something like there's something wrong with the pool. Yeah. Um, and they would always just suntan around the pool. They never swam in the pool, which is weird. Like, you know, they had a beautiful house, beautiful pool. So anyways, when they, when my mom did this Ouija board, she did it with um, one of her sisters and another close friend. And the thing about Ouija boards is that cursor that goes over uh, each individual letter. If you don't trust the people that you're doing the Ouija board with, like you don't know if that person is, is like moving the cursor with their hands because everybody has to put their hands on the cursor. And, and the cursor essentially kind of got, like everyone kind of like it, it almost guides the hands. Like it moves on its own, but like your hands get pulled with it, if that makes any sense. So when people do Ouija boards, some people kind of move the cursor themselves and spell something out themselves, right? They're, they're disingenuous about it. But my mom and my aunt and her friend, they, well, they invited what it was the spirit to communicate with them. And it started to communicate The the cursor began to move and they all like, you know, they had their hands on it and it began to move and spell out, um, you know, it spelled out that there was a spirit named Peter that occupied the house and Peter died at 10 years old. So this is what was happening. Mm. Right. And that Peter drowned in the pool. Mm. And, um, and at that point, you know, they, they, when they did this, they said they did it like a, a true seance. They had candles like all over the room. They lit a bunch of candles. And, and after a while, I think they started like after they felt that the spirit communicated with them, they began to question themselves and say, you know, maybe, maybe it was one of us fooling with, with each other, you know, spelling yeah. something out. Like, so they said, like, Peter, if you really are there, can you do something to the candle in the middle of the room? Um, can you, you know, show us a sign with the, with the candle that's lit in the middle of the room? And nothing, nothing was happening. And they waited, I think, maybe five, ten minutes. Nothing happened. And uh, they started packing things up, blowing out the candles. And then the candle in the middle of the room, as from what I'm told, started to bend. Like, 
it was a long wax candle and it just started to get manipulated and started to bend over right in front of their eyes in a, and they immediately freaked out and knew that it was real they yeah. had a real spiritual experience yeah and um my yeah after that you know they've had they had more experiences in, in the house and um that really creeped them out it was very uncomfortable for them and yeah so my mom was doing like you know spiritual like witchcraft things on not understanding um the the danger so mm. before i was born so doors were opened to the demonic before i was born before you were born which could have been why i was having those dreams wow um, that's uh um i mean as as a almost like a like a like a like a seller moment there because the, there's some important things that uh you just want to kind of capture on, yeah. on to kind of like let's pull over yeah for a yeah, second yeah, here. yeah people w before i understood kind of like the spiritual realm i and this happens this deception happens to a lot of people mm -hmm. they so, so someone else might look at something like that and say like in that situation of a condom bending itself, I, I totally believe something like that could happen. And oh, probably... wait till you hear till more things I have to tell you. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a joke compared to other things. Um, <laughs> but just so if, if, if I, again, pulling over is, is so that someone can understand is that there's something in this universe that is called familiar spirits. Mm -hmm. So most people, and that's the problem, those familiar spirits can sometimes... Uh, Satan uses them to to deceive people. Absolutely. Let's say someone loses uh, a relative, or you know, grandmother, parent, brother, sister, and, or a friend, mm -hmm. and they start to say when they tap into such a spiritual realm, such as the demonic one, they actually think that their relative is hovering around in the earth yes yes yeah absolutely and and what i didn't know is when i was still ignorant i used to think that stuff was true but what it is is that familiar spirits know yes. that that of course you've lost someone yes right and of course you know that there's a spirit that was attached to that person so they must Mock. yeah they, they, masquerade. Masquerade they masquerade as that person yes and and then if you don't know this, you're going to actually think... Yeah, you that, think yeah. it's a ghost. You think yeah, it's a relative. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That you think that Peter is still hovering around in the pool. Yeah. It's, and, it's, and, it's, and, it's and, interesting that you wanted to take a little sidestep on that because they did research on the house. Uh, they looked into it. There was a boy named Peter who died at 10 years old in the pool. That's that's true. Yeah. And and they will take that information. They will take that information. And, and use it on you. 100%. And, and a lot of people will fall for it and think that, oh this person is mm -hmm. actually talking to me or this and that. And I, yeah, it's, it's funny because the, this familiar spirit did show its ugly face in a way to my mother. Once every time this spirit manifested, it was almost like in a, I, I don't want to say every time, like they did feel creeped out a lot, but um, there was one time that my mom really felt that it was dark, that there was a darkness, a true darkness. And she was, uh, I think home alone um, and she was laying in her mother's bed uh, with her eyes closed, just resting, you know, resting her eyes, just laying, laying there. And she felt 
quote unquote Peter come into the room, but it was different. It was dark. It was very dark. And my mom was said she was terrified and she was so terrified that she didn't open her eyes. She would not open her eyes. And she just said, Peter, please get out, get out, Peter, get out, get out. You're really, really scaring me right now. <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, a couple minutes went by and she felt the presence leave. Um, but she said that time it was like different, hmm. very different that time. She, she specifically rem- remembers that and told me that story. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I yeah. thought, I thought that was uh, an yeah. interesting, um, just like a side, side tour Absolutely. so that, so that, you know, someone listened to this, you know, cause some people still struggle with this. And yeah. for me, it really liberated me when I found out how these things work and say, Oh, of course. Yeah. Familiar spirits, they know they know the history of the house. Mm-hmm. They know someone's died there. And of course, they're yeah. going to, you know, come at you from that angle with Absolutely. information and, and all of that. And, 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 and yes. Absolutely. There, it's, there's only two spiritual realms. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And yeah, you can't tap into the kingdom of God unless it's through Jesus Christ. And you can tap into the kingdom of darkness through many different ways. And, yes. And they will lead you away from the kingdom of light at all costs. So, and that's, that's a, I've had this, uh, this discussion with someone else who thought that they would just, you know, a lot of people just kind of open up themselves to just the spiritual realm. They just say that, oh, there's just the spiritual energy. They, Mm -hmm. They just think that, uh, there's like, good spiritual energy there's like bad there's medium there's different yeah. levels there's demonic yeah. no no no. there's two kinds of spiritual realms there's one from the kingdom of light and one from the kingdom of darkness so mm-hmm. by default if you just open yourself up by default you're always opening up yourself to the demonic one like mm-hmm. you said yeah if if you're intentional and you accept jesus christ pledge allegiance basically and say no 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 I want to point my spiritual antenna to the kingdom of light. Then that's when you are pointed towards the, 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 that spiritual realm, the, the good one, the, the, the one from God, the kingdom of light. Mm-hmm. So just thought it would be interesting for, for some of the people listening to this. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. This was episode one of Noelle's testimony and life story. In the next episode, Noelle will dive deeper into his troubled childhood and all the ensuing drama. Domestic violence from a stepfather, the bath of his stepbrothers, and how his mother didn't even know she was pregnant with his stepsister for six months. Your host for today was Calvin Kabanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. That you know what you're wanting Still on the same page But here we are Chasing hope in the hope We stay honest Sometimes life can kick you when you're down But we got that, we got that faith Yeah We got that, we got that stargaze in our eyes We got that, we got that faith 
We got that, we got that willingness to try Cause we got that, we got that thing problem didn't see this one coming but here we are hold you close hold me close at the bottom sometimes life can kick you when you're down but we got that we got that thing yeah we got that we got that star gazing in our eyes but we got that we got that thing We got that willingness to try Cause we got that, we got that thing 